This is the opening passage from a short story by Maya Abu al-Hayat called The Gap. The first thing to say about Nabil, should we wish to describe him, is that he is an optimistic man, a quality all the more striking as it has just about vanished from the village of Awalaja, whose residents are distinguished by their ability to find a problem for every solution. Tell them you've worked out how to bring water to the fruit trees next year, and they'll poke ten holes in your plan. Say you found a way to get the children to school safely in winter, and they'll turn winter into a battlefield. Not so Nabil, a man who, through sheer persistence, can get around any problem. He can't even remember the last time he used the word problem. His solutions may falter. They may take eons to achieve, but they always come off in the end. You might say it's a quality passed down the generations. His great-grandfather, Selim, managed to escape certain death during the Nakba, when he and the other villagers found themselves trapped in the mosque. All the men were killed except for him, as he had found an opening in the wall of the mosque's storeroom and hid there among the old rugs until it was all over. Then he ran and didn't stop until, after sixty miles, he reached the hills of Amman. His father's brush with certain death came in the second intifada. His phone had rung and saved his life, or so he daily swears, just before bullets came piercing through the wall of the room he was painting in Ramallah. As the caller remains unknown to this day, he could almost swear it was a direct call from God. Both sources, perhaps, of Nabil's sense that all would be well in the end. When word began to spread that the wall was due to run through his village and that his house alone would lie beyond it, cut off from his land and the homes of his relatives, he saw no issue there, and he could not understand why his wife kept howling that their livelihood was ruined, their wealth gone up in smoke, their family finished. Nabil would find a way out. He was sure of it. As soon as digging began in 2002, Nabil set to work. He read all the reports, the surveys and assessments, studied the maps and plans, and memorized the names of all the neighborhoods, villages, and towns the wall, all 730 kilometers of it, would cut in half. He even walked the length of the Green Line, which separates the West Bank from Israeli territory, observing the construction workers as they unloaded the large blocks of cement and slowly closed off the horizon. Every day he'd return home and record the information he had gathered in his notebook, his black box. On the Palestinian side, the wall consists of six coils of barbed wire, followed by a deep trench, then a dirt road for the passage of patrols, then an electric fence three meters high. On the Israeli side, it consists of a paved road with sandy lanes on either side, barbed wire, and electric alarms. At certain points, the barrier is as wide as 60 meters. As for the concrete wall, it is only found in densely populated areas. It is eight meters high. To support his optimistic view of things, he present his wife with figures. 166 houses demolished to build the wall. 49,291 metric dunams of land confiscated, most of which had been used for agriculture. How lucky they were, he insisted, that their house was only separated from the village and not demolished, and that their land was only cut off by the wall and not confiscated, that as long as it was somewhere, it was everywhere, assuring her all the while that he would find the gap to let him through, for wherever there is a wall, there must be a gap.
Comrades and friends, hello. Uh, this is your Highlands Bunker podcast uh, for today. And um, this is a very, very special one. We got a full house. We have a, we have a green room. We have everything. Um, because we have a, a very special guest today. Um, Maya Abu Al-Hayat is, uh, is a writer, a poet, um, a teacher, an engineer, an actor. We'll get into some of it. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Um, and um, she is in town uh, to attend the uh, Palestine Rights uh, Liter- uh, Literature Festival. And uh, it's going to be at uh, the University of Pennsylvania over the weekend. And uh, she stopped in uh, to, to see us and talk. So I'm so happy that um, you could make it. I'm so happy too to, uh, to be here, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, I always ask, uh, at least for people who are activists, artists, um, in some way, you know, in public life, um, a similar question. And I'm uh, very excited to hear um, you talk about it. Um, where were you born? Um, how did you grow up? Uh, what was it like? And, um, and how did you find yourself um, in the arts? Hmm. Uh, I was born in Beirut, actually. Uh, my mother is a Lebanese uh, and my father is Palestinian, uh, who used to be uh, one of PLO uh, fighters. Uh, it was during the Lebanese War in the 80s. Uh, and, uh, and then I uh, went to Jordan. I had all my childhood uh, there. I lived with my aunt. My father was uh, in the diaspora in, Sp- in Spain and uh, my mother in Beirut. So I, I grew up in Jordan. Uh, and then I went to Tunis, uh, lived with my father again. And then after Oslo, I came back to Palestine. I lived uh, in Nablus, a city of Nablus. uh, And then I moved to Ramallah. Now I live in Jerusalem. (laughs) So you spent quite a bit of time sort of away from your parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So once you... So all the time in Amman was away from your parents? Yeah, my father was forbidden to be actually inter Amman also. Uh, my mother was in Lebanon. Uh, she, th- there was a, a civil war there and uh, she she's also, she was disappeared. And uh, I met her after, uh, when I was 20 years old, actually. That was my first uh, phone call <laughs> to hear her voice. And uh, so I had a quite like a very uh, strange uh, childhood. And uh, I think... I start writing since I was three years old because I was uh, searching for something. I was searching for. I felt uh, alienation from everybody around. I, it's it was. Uh, I I didn't know that uh, this family is not my family at the beginning. I was uh, hearing my uh, father's voice uh, f- from the phone, and uh, so it was like a strange things. And uh, I was looking for uh, my mother, or I was looking maybe for her family, but I found myself in uh, poetry. Uh, so I, I wrote my first <laughs> poem when I was three years old. And uh, I didn't read that one. I haven't seen that. <laughs> I would have read that one you had don't, I found You don't it. want to. <laughs> it was very strange, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I think I was shouting almost, almost all my time. Uh, all, all my life, I, uh, I was screaming. I was... Uh, yelling, I was like asking, I was, uh, uh, I wanted to be heard, I wanted to be, uh, I I wanted to understand myself because I was, uh, I couldn't uh, uh, speak uh, with, in freedom, I I was uh, in fear all the time. 
uh, and uh, I, I st- uh, but but when I was reading poetry in front of everybody, like I had uh, compassion. I had I I understand what what it meant to be to to, to for other to hear your voice. What is it? what it's kind what the poetry uh, can do uh, in life and uh, I had a lot of good chocolate <laughs> people were giving me good chocolate so I felt that oh it's good to be a poet at the beginning yeah you get the you, 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 you yeah people hear you, you people you, hear people you are like wow that's great and you feel you get that feedback yeah but at some point you have to stop uh, yeah, I, mean, I I I hated that. In uh, in some point, I uh, I hated that uh, I felt myself all the time as a victim, and I felt uh, no, I just need to to scream. So I was I was I wanted to be uh, known as a writer, as a poet, uh, as Maya. Uh, and that took a lot of time, actually, for me to to heal, to to understand what it means to. Uh, to do things, to to create things, to uh, to have your own voice, uh, to have your own point of view, to uh, to be against uh, what expected from you as a, as a poet, as a woman, as a Palestinian, as a, a writer. Uh, so I can't say that I'm an activist. For example, I I am not that kind of, pe- of person who will uh, go shout. I I have a, a, a whole. Uh, Poet about uh, poem about uh, that. I don't do anything, Yani, and I, I'm a very uh, uh, I'm afraid all the time. I'm I'm very coward actually. When I, uh, writers are very coward, <laughs> I think. So I I am very coward. I really uh, uh, get afraid very quickly. But at the same time, what when I see what I'm doing now from from away, I feel like uh, it's. Uh, Everything about politics, everything, uh, if, if I drink water is politics, if I am talking about walking on the streets, it's politics. It's uh, When I'm talking about my uh, fear about my children, uh, my motherhood, it's it's all about, it's all politics, especially if you are fr- fr- uh, from a place like Palestine. So it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I prefer to be a poet all the time. Here's yeah. the way I look at it, because this comes up, this comes up in discussions a lot because... You know, an activist does an act, or is doing an act, a public act. Now, whether you're in the street yelling, or whether you're putting your body on the line, or whether you're putting work out, provocative work out, provocative art, whether it be written or paint, whatever it is, like I, I, if 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 it's if it's being produced, if the act of doing it is to put it out there and tell a story and get people to think about what's happening, I. Think that's an activist. Now, I, people argue with me all the time, but but I I, I think I think it is actually. Yeah. But I'm not going to tell you what you are. No, but no. I'm, but so. I totally understand that. But but at the same time, it's always like you have guilt that you are you are not de- died yet. You you know that you are not in present yet because everything around you is very strong and very emotional and like you see um, people who lost their uh, belongs and they, their sons and so you always feel if you are if you smile if i, I laugh a lot i i am known by my laughing and i wrote a, a lot of poem about my laughing because i think it's a an act of um, like i am proving something with but like when i laugh very loud because Everybody expects you to 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 cry all the time, and it's I, and I really feel guilt when I laugh sometimes because you can't laugh uh, and feel 
normal things. It's it's that simple things. يعني um, yeah, I forget what I was talking about. But it's fine. <laughs> I, do have, I do I do have one question that fits in the middle of this, and it 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 struck me because it, I have I had a a similar experience in this in this context. Um, I, for the first 25 years of my adult life, just worked at a bank. Um, it, you know, it was just what I thought that I was supposed to do, and it was pretty miserable, and I, I had no outlet um, to, to yell out and have somebody listen to what I'm trying to say. Um, but f- you were uh, uh, an engineer, a, a, a trained engineer. How, f- first of all, how did you get into that? Was it something similar where you're like, I need to be a professional person? Uh, or was it, you know, what, how, how did that come about? And, and how long did you do it? And when did you decide, I, I don't need to do this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was writing all my life. Uh, I've published my first novel actually when I was 22 years old. I was, it was my last year in university. Uh, but you know, we have good grades. My father was actually against me, me as a writer. He was like very military man, and he he was totally against that. So I was writing in secret all all my life, reading in secret, writing in secret. Uh, I told him I published my first novel, and my father. Uh, some friends called my father and tell him, "Who's my Abu Hayat who has novel? It's published novel." He said he asked me. I told him, "No, I don't know. <laughs> Who's this guy?" <laughs> They do it alone. I didn't know about it. So, um, so, so writing was like, like something that it's my identity. But at the same time, it's it's uh, it wasn't like a professional or I wanted to be. Uh, uh, I always know that I am a writer. Uh, but I, I had good grades when I in the high school, so you know my father was like, oh, seven engineering, engineering. So everybody, so uh, and I think it's good, yeah, to to have this uh, engineering mind, yeah, uh, even if you are a poet, yeah. Um, I worked as a civil engineer in uh, for like uh, maybe nine years um, in different uh, organizations and. There was a, a, a actually uh, I I wasn't right uh, for children. Uh, there was like a workshop I took uh, and uh, it changed my life. Uh, everybody was talking that your language is very uh, like you can write children books, and I was like totally against that. And then I took this workshop. I began I began to write for children. I find myself I, I heal uh during working with children and uh, doing creative writing workshops uh, so that changed my life actually in 2013 and i be, I, I i totally quit my job i began to have to be a freelancer it was very hard at the beginning to because we don't have it as a career in palestine it's it's hard it's a little bit hard uh, we, we don't really have it as a career here <laughs> yeah. i can i i, I under, completely understand <laughs> yeah yeah, but but now uh, I think I um, I do storytelling. I, I had to do too many things, which is all in in me. Yani, and I began as an actress, actually, not as a. When I was very little, I was acting. All the time. Yeah, I saw yeah. that too. And I, what what was it? What do you think it was about um, creating um, literature for for children and and acting, sort of in in children's shows? Yeah. What do you think it was about that that kind of like. That, that that changed it from being like changed the art part from being an outlet to being what yeah what, what it is what you are actually i think i was escaping from the intellectual <laughs> life okay. you know yeah uh i we 
I didn't I, I didn't want to to you know because um, sometimes you have to be very you, you know people want you to be spoken especially in the Arab country I mean, if you are an, a writer you had to be a politician to you have to be uh, spoken and you have to be very big yeah يعني. so and I didn't I didn't like that I I was like all that all my life I was I wanted to be me يعني, uh, to hear as uh, uh, me I, I I never been in any political uh, agendas or something. So uh, I found myself where, when, when I worked with children, I uh, I can do everything freely. I, it's like uh, it's a, it's healing. It's healing process. It was it, it, uh, it totally changed me looking at myself. Maybe I wanted to be a child again. Uh, I wanted to have uh, um, my child uh, childhood without. Uh, being afraid, uh, doing things uh, uh, totally free, uh, free, freely. Yani. Yeah. So I think that was uh, the changing point for me. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you know, if, if, if you call yourself a writer or people are going to expect, um, you know, you to be making these big old <laughs> statements, um, but when you're just doing it to sort of teach Yeah, uh, and expose children to these ideas. There's a whole different expectations. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. And, and actually, um, this like, you, as a Palestinian writer, you always like it's like you are talking to others all the time. Like you, you telling other your story. You, t- you, you want uh, uh, passion and sympathy from others. It's and uh, it's like you are doing a dialogue all the time with others, not with you. And it's like we are not talking to, to to each other as a Palestinian sometimes, and and this is what make me also work with children. I I feel like I do something when I do when I work with children because I think we need to as a Palestinian we need to hear our stories by our uh, voice and understand it and feel comfort with it and uh, and try to heal ourselves because we all in traumas. Uh, And when I work with children, I feel like I do something. I, I, I can, I can change small things like uh, uh, that can't happen with the uh, older, <laughs> you know. Uh, that's why, Yani. I think maybe I found myself. This is my place. This is what I can do. I'm good with uh, uh, communication. I'm, I, I, people, Yani, children uh, loves me, and uh, so um, I can affect them. I can do th- uh, things with them. And this is actually it happened. It worked, Yanni. Yeah, I thought was because that's. I, I know at one point you were you were running a writers' workshop, um, uh, in the occupied territory. Yeah, um, st- I still do. do you, yeah. st- you still do. Yeah, yeah. So what what is that like? How many? What are the ages of the children, and what kind of things uh, are are they also writing? Mm. Um, what what kind of things are you yeah. doing? It's an uh, actually organizations and GOs. Uh, we work. We publish children books. Uh, this is like mainly. And I, 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 yani, we we focus on something that art, the artistic books. Yani, our books is very artistic. It's very like. Uh, uh, it's not like. Anna, I I hate that. Uh, sometimes all your books should be about Palestine or about. No, I do totally artistic because we, as an artist and uh, as artists and uh, writers, uh, we need to, uh, to 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 be to 
to to tell the our vision philosophic ideas so we have it here and it's hard to do it outside actually um so uh, it was all volunteering uh, we did the creative writing workshop in school storytelling time uh, also in school and in our uh, building uh, we published book for children now we had uh, 21 uh, books actually uh, we managed to publish um, Yani, th- that kind of force. Yeah, that's yeah. It's really interesting because it goes back to what you were saying before. Um, it got you out of a narrow sort of feeling like you're in a box. Yeah. Like everything needs to somehow relate to um, the political situation yeah. or, or the larger sort of geopolitics and all of exactly. that stuff. But, but it's, it, it's, it's very freeing when um, you can write for children and use sort of big metaphors and, and other sort of stories that don't really seem... Like you're making a you know a political statement all the time, or talking about your history all the time. Exactly, and that's that's actually a political uh, statement. Yes, that's also a political <laughs> statement. Yeah, and I you know because y- you always want to to see Palestinian in a certain ba- uh, image, but actually Palestinians are different, and they are they we have different kind of artists and writers and uh, and people. So uh, yes, we 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 can we can do everything. Yani. Yeah. Yeah. What. What what is what is your day like now? You're, you're in Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, just you know, traveling. Yeah. Um, you know, around. Um, I know even to travel here was a little bit of a of a um, of an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to you couldn't come directly here. You had to go to Jordan yeah. first. Um, why why is that? By the way? <laughs> Can you explain that? Yeah, it's very complicated, but I will try to make it easy. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm married to a man who's from Jerusalem. He's a Palestinian who uh, who lives in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is uh, the people who live there. They are they have Jordanian passport. They are not Israelis, but uh, yani they are like second citizens, something like that. So, but we, but I'm originally Palestinian. So I uh, I'm from Nablus. Uh, it's uh, under Palestinian authority. I have Palestinian uh, passport. But when you live in, when I married this man, we live in Jerusalem, I, I apply for something called the uh, permit. It's like residency, but it's not residency. I, 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 now I'm 15 years, uh, 15 years uh, married for 15 years, and I still have to, to renew this permit every year. I still have, don't have residency in Jerusalem. So I, yani usually I can travel. I can apply for a permit to go through uh, to go from Bingerion uh, Airport because I am I supposed to be. Yani, no, I can't. You're do at it. least permit. You're a per, you're yeah. a citizen. Well, in some kind of yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. I, I I usually I can travel from Bingerion, but Palestinian usually can't travel through uh, from. So I needed a permit, and I had the permit. We we have it. We uh, we we take uh, um, have the tickets. Uh, everything was uh, done. I went to the, the airport. I check in my baggage. I did everything, and then they told me no, they cancel your permit. So nobody knows why they cancel it. Uh, so I had to go back, and uh, I went to Jordan. Uh, it's the only way to travel. Yani, uh, it was forty-eight hours of traveling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I bring. I, I'm. I was interested in the in your story in that regard because I don't think people understand sort of what the day to day situation is like. You know, I talk about apartheid mm-hmm. and I talk about what it means. I'm old enough to remember what it was like 
when South Africa became a pariah nation yeah. uh, because of their geopolitical situation. And so I'm sort of trying to explain that. And it's not just political. When you take somebody's regular life and how they have to live their regular life mm -hmm. and getting a permit and not being, you know, then getting yeah. your permit revoked and having to reapply for 15 years just to live in the city with your husband. Um, and you, you, and you can't change. You can't live in Ramallah. You can't live in any place uh, because you had to approve that you are living there. If you don't live there, if they find that you are not living, they will take my my husband ID. Or, yani, suddenly, you know, yeah. like lots of Palestinians who live in Jerusalem, they just took their ID because, yani, they are trying to make it, yani, uh, away from Arab. Yani, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I and, mean, and I think that's the 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 larger point that I would like mm -hmm. to make is that. The, the impact on the regular person is completely, um, it's oppressive, uh, it's ridiculous, and it's it's a separation. It's two separate sets of rules, yeah. or many separate sets of complicated rules, um, and that's that's what apartheid is. Exactly. And so it's it's just as clear cut uh, uh, as that. I mean, is your when you it, the is the the writers' workshop also in Jerusalem? No, it's in Ramallah. So you're going from Jerusalem. To Ramallah. Yeah, and to, yeah. How, how does that work? <laughs> I I always say that you are occupied here in your mind, not in and yani you forget sometimes that you are occupied. But like I I I think about the checkpoint, Kalandia checkpoint. One hour before I go to the checkpoint, and one hour after I I go through the checkpoint because it's not just the checkpoint itself; it's the state of uh, of being under that. Uh, that state uh, that uh, so yani you need to think about you are not you, even you don't you, you don't remember that you are under occupation all the time but you are occupied in your mind because you have uh, in your daily life there's things you can't do because you are you have the checkpoint there's things that you can't do because you can't cross to uh, easily to Ramallah or to you know that kind of life which is it's, it it looks normally it looks like like uh, no, nobody's doing anything anything to anybody but it's it's they they it's in your life your the, the, your time i i write time about uh, now a book about time and uh, time and pain and try to figure it out and know what is what is time because everything is related to time in palestine like um, you don't you can't have a plan Never. Like me, I was planning to come and have an event in uh, Connecticut uh, at the museum that that canceled. And I knew that that could happen because we can't have a, pla a plan, you know. Uh, so you can't um, uh, ask me to be uh, organized. I am very organized, but I uh, I can't be organized. It's not something. It's, it's not within your control. No, it's, it's completely not. outside of your control. Yeah. So it affects you. It's affect everything. It's affect my movement now. I I I move a lot. I I I always like I can't sit in a place that my my uh, my pack is not on the wall for. I I'm afraid. I I always like my my movement is like uh, you know I move a lot because of because I am under occupation. You know it's all related in in a way that you forget that. That's why you are, uh, and this is what I try to 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 do in my writing, to show these little things that makes you what you are, because of what's happening. Yeah, and it's happening to you. What you're not thinking of it, uh, but then 
you know, you go through the checkpoint. I mean, what is that like? I mean, what what is that experience like just having to prove that you're supposed that you are who you are and that you're supposed to go over there to teach? Um, but you like every day you have to sort of pr- prove something. Yeah. What what is that? You like? have to have your ID. If you forget your ID, it's like uh, uh, your collapse. Your life is collapsing. You know, it's. Uh, uh, for us, it become normal. You know, living the abnormal things as a normal things. It's it's become lo- normal because so you. Ha- that's why I said before that you always have to prove that you are innocent. That you are. Uh, Uh, not uh, aggressive that you are good you know it's 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 a that you had to prove it because it really can affect you yani every time i cross kalandia i feel i feel like maybe maybe it's today something will happen and we will be killed it's like every time i cross that uh, place because a lot of people were killed at that point so it it's like anything can happen for you so uh, and and you, nobody will will do anything about it it's that that's why i i i, don't, I have a phobia called uh, hope <laughs> yeah that's we'll get why. to that yeah that <laughs> I, that i mean you mentioned before about sort of courage or certain kinds of courage um or you know who is a brave person who is a coward <laughs> I, i consistently think that Ha- living like that, living with that in, in, in your mind, um, and then knowing that, you know, nothing's really under your control. You could get somewhere, and this is happening, and that's just what's happening. You're going to have to just deal with it. I, I find that I think everybody's a hero Yeah. that that that, that, that can go on. Exactly. If, yeah, if, you, can write a, if you can write another page or yeah. you can go and teach a class mm-hmm. through that, through that context yeah i think that that's courageous yeah actually actually i think i think the palestinian are very <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah like just imagine mothers that yani how they deal with with their yani your child being away just just go away and uh, let you don't know where he is and he can be really shot and killed anytime you know it's uh, you know just to think about it Uh, uh, it's uh, it's hilarious. Yani, I can't. Uh, now I have three children, and I, I am um, experience this because they are going out alone, and uh, I I managed to put them in the shield for fifteen uh, years. But now it's like no way I will do it. <laughs> yeah, you can only do that so long. Yeah, it's not, it's it's you can't do it anymore so and you don't know how, when they will face it and how they will face it so it's uh yeah <laughs> yeah i i i can't imagine i mean i'm sure they're already facing it even when even when you put them in a yeah. in a in a, in yeah. a bubble you think they're in there but yeah. they're they, i'm sure that you yeah know, everybody's you step out of the it. house you, you you know and yeah. some i mean i don't know when I mean, you were very young, obviously, when you knew because there was movement moving, and you know your parents weren't there, and all of that. And even even for your children who live with their parents and and all of that, I, I'm sure at some point they were like, okay, this yeah. is 
this is this is what it is yeah. sort of like you explained going through exactly. the checkpoint i think they probably get it yeah yeah and they you know sometimes they just hide it and they, sometimes see like they, they're frustrating you know, why why is that happening why you know that kind of uh, they don't want to face it and we all like uh, try to not face it because it's also yeah and you don't have answers uh, why is that happening you know you, you don't have any anything to do to deal with it uh, it's 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 there and you, 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 and that's why everybody's like not trying to ignore. <laughs> At least in our family, you know, we are trying to ignore it. And so, so I, I have a technique. I. I used to come late uh, sometimes to my house and there was like uh, a lot of soldiers at the, at the at the door. And so I have this technique. If I don't look at their eyes, nothing will happen. So I, if I don't see you, you will not see me. So and I do that all the time. <laughs> I just try to not see what is happening because it's the only way I can I can deal with it. I, I can continue. Uh, I sing uh, at the checkpoint. I uh, put my uh, uh, headphones and try to sing and uh, have my own dreams. It's the only way to do it. And Yani, you have. I think the courage thing is to move on, to to continue, to still alive. Yani, I I think uh, Anna, I what I am trying to do is to to uh, live as long as I can. This is uh, this is the only thing I can do. If, if I can survive this day, I can survive. Yani, each time, each year, I say, wow, I survived, Yani. So it's uh, <laughs> it's a miracle. I had I had a, po- a poetry about it. And no, you pass from here and survive you as a miracle. Yani, a miracle. It's a miracle to survive when you live in a yes. place uh, like this. Yeah, I, I I assume there's going to be more um, discussion about this um, at the conference that's coming up. Um, I I was made aware, I guess earlier this week, that even here um, there's going to be some controversy. Um, I don't know how it's going to play itself out, um, but I know that the the common sort of uh, reactionaries and um, right wingers here uh, have have told the University of Pennsylvania that they have a problem with this workshop um, for all of the reasons that they usually say and so yeah it's like you, you come you come here to do something you know academic and you can't even get away from it yeah you know it's it sort of does it sort of follows everyone yeah yeah, yeah. yes <laughs> oh man that's a bummer I can, I can maybe offer something positive. <laughs> Go ahead, and um, as and as as and we didn't introduce you, but uh, another guest sitting in is our friend Medina. Everybody knows. So, hey, everybody! Yeah. I'm so happy to be joining here, and I've I've been quiet because I've just been in awe, honestly, of you. Um, so when I was a student at the university, we started a Students for Justice in Palestine chapter, and so I've. I've seen firsthand the courage, the creativity of the Palestinian people here in Delaware. Um, And we we face similar pushback and controversy. But one thing I am noticing, I think, in recent years is it used to be you couldn't even talk about these things, right, Um, without people pushing back and and leveling, you know, uh, statements that, oh, this is anti-Semitic or this is, you know, making people uncomfortable. And I think the conversation has shifted a lot Mm -hmm. into... um, you know, the camp of this is not cool what's happening in Palestine. Right. And and I think um, the arguments in, in uh, you know, support of, of the occupation have changed because of that. I think it's um, a less popular opinion than it was even 10 years ago. 
um, to say, oh, you know, Israel's not an apartheid state, right? So I think the I think we've seen a lot of movement, at least in the United States, um, when it comes to discussing Palestine. So I'm inspired by that, and I think a big part of that is the work of people like Maya who show the beautiful diversity of what it is to be a Palestinian. And it's not just a political conversation. You're human beings just like all of us. And I think that's what's so beautiful about the arts um, and also what's so political about art, right? Like you were saying, just existing in this space and talking about nature or talking about families is revolutionary. So, I, I mean, I just wanted to say I'm, I'm really, I feel like we're moving in the right direction. And I think it's largely because of people like you. Thank you, Medina. I think also the, the young generation is doing a great job in that uh, situation. Uh, yani, I think we have new uh, voices and new way of talking to others. Like uh, uh, also the media, the social media. And the, because it's uh, social media is very... Uh, private yani it's now not the whole media things the big media who can has agendas and they can control uh, our lives right. and now now we have uh, small reporters who had their own cameras and just go and filming things right. and speaking their own stories and that's make things i think absolutely. different yeah absolutely yeah as a writer you're able to share the personal yeah. with the world and social media has definitely done that too i think a lot of people i knew growing up they didn't know any palestinians yeah. right my experience was different so mm. i came to university like knowing a lot about the issue mm. and i think because of social media people now have seen with their own eyes things yeah. they cannot you know they yeah. can't say it's not happening mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. yeah but at the same time you, you will say what well, okay and what is the effect on the larger uh uh, because it's all, I think, economic and it's, yeah. you know, it's and and uh, yani, what social media do that it makes you feel like you do something. You, uh, you somebody the others are hearing you. And but then nothing happened. Yeah, yes. this is very yes. a little bit like um, we need to think about it. And uh, you hear, uh, OK, now people know. And then what is happening after that? Yeah. And this is also can right. make you sometimes feeling that, okay, they know it. Khalas, you did all their thing, but nothing happened. Right. And that's a Be little bit uh, sometimes discouraging, dis- disappointment, uh, because uh, you will feel like it's not in in good people's hands, unfortunately. I mean, it's all politics. It's all uh, uh, economic, it's all, uh, nobody cares, yani, no, uh, unfortunately, yani, me as an optimistic woman, not optimistic woman. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk about, the, uh, to be honest, that's why I read, when I read The Gap, the full yeah. story, I, I was blown away. One of my favorite books growing up when I was at the university uh, was Candide. Uh, by Voltaire. Yeah. And the uh, the subtitle of Candide is on optimism. <laughs> and of course, Candide, the famous the story of Candide is going through and having all of these terrible things, but still being optimistic, and then <laughs> there'll be a better day, and then there's, a, there's an earthquake, and the, the boat sinks, and all of this stuff. And it was just within... Within a few paragraphs, it just reminded me of the travails of Candide from Voltaire. And it, it, it comes down to this optimism. Like, what is it? Is it crazy? Do you have to be crazy to be optimistic? Does it make sense? As, do you get more optimistic as the situation gets worse? Like, all of that stuff. I found it, like, exactly, exactly right. Um, but the point, I think, to um, social media is also well taken because 
definitely seeing it is is very stark uh, when you see people being thrown out of their homes, when you see people's farms being tilled under, yeah, um, when you see people just treated in an inhumane way. Uh, you know, it's horrible. Uh, it's good that people start to understand what is happening, so they can they can see it and experience it. But 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 then it, there's there's a there's a next step to it. There's an active step, mm-hmm. you know, because you can't just go online and go on social media and be like, exactly. ah, d- and and say that it's bad or, yeah. or condemn it or write a letter. If that doesn't none of that stuff. You, you you have to do something serious. Yeah. Um, whether it's you know whether it's in the street or whether it's on the page, you have to do something. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's really what we're doing. Yeah. I yeah. mean I think the Palestinian people have been very um, strategic in what they ask for the world to do, and that's another thing I think that's inspiring. Um, like we've seen in the U.S. in recent years, like you know the Women's March, Black Lives Matter. There have been other movements. Um, and sometimes it's clear what we're asking for, but yeah. I think like the Palestinian people have been very clear. Like they want freedom of movement. They they've even given you know ideas for how we can bring about the change through boycott, divestment, and sanctions. Um, so like there, I think there are clear things <laughs> that the Palestinian people have been asking for people that care to do for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's another strength of the people, right? Like they're they're not just asking for help. They're very clear and they're offering solutions. Um, and I think a lot of, you know, groups could learn from the Palestinians. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, yeah, I understand that. And I I say that, you know, sometimes they all want to uh, put you in the corner that, like, as a victim. And I think what we need is more survival, not victims. Uh, you know, because when you see yourself as a victim, you just ask for help. You don't do action. You, because you, you you lose your uh, ability to think and do and doing and uh, act uh, but well, what we need is like action you know uh, and uh, and this is this is what, what me as a Palestinian this is what I I try to 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 ask for from the Palestinian but, uh, that's why I am talking to Palestinian my poetry my things it's all going to Palestinian not to other to the others uh, uh, because we if we control our uh, decisions and this is what they don't want to yani it's all the time they they try to say that you are not good enough to think of what you want you do, you can't control your decisions you can we will help we will give. We will, and that makes you just stay, stay, and uh, and wait for something to happen. And and then you can't do anything because nothing is coming, or they don't give you what you want. So you and and we don't. This is what NGOs, unfortunately, did for for a while. You know, it's it uh, it turned people to to be just like they take, not give. And uh, we are going back to be a, a giver, you know, not just uh, to uh, take. Yeah. Yeah. The more it's like a, it's like a passive. You're getting the the help exactly. from the NGO. You're getting the support, but it's yeah. but it's passive. Yeah. You got to take. And, and I, you know, the the agency and the action that, as you said, as the Palestinian people have taken, has just been inspirational to people like us, um, because of the, you know, because of the situation. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, and 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 I and I do agree with Medina too. I think, at least in the last ten years, there has been a shift in the way things are spoken about. Uh, 
and the, and the understanding that most people have. We have a um, we have a Palestinian American um, national representative from Michigan, Rashida Talib, um, who's very very active about this stuff, and. You know, I'm I'm a negative person, but I I do have hope that um, you know that people can be inspired to to keep up the to keep up the work to to listen to the actions that we need to take to be inspired by um, the Palestinian activists and artists who are who are basically telling us what they need, um, and and just getting behind it and and every day doing that. Like I don't, no one knows how it's going to end. You can't. Um, but every day you just do the next, you're brave, brave enough to do it again the next day, basically. So are, do you, what is your, what are your, uh, are you speaking or doing a reading at the workshop? Or are you just yeah. attending? Oh, so you are, you're doing a reading. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing a reading and conversation with uh, Lina Tufaha. And then I will have storytelling for uh, for kids, actually. Oh, you're doing <laughs> that here, too? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like uh, school school age kids? I, I'm not sure who's the, attending the the event, but it's uh, it's open for public. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that is very cool. I, I did, I, I wanted to close um, this way, and I mentioned to you before, I um, always struggled with just abstract art. And my wife and I, about 10 years ago, went to a very famous collection of abstract art in Philadelphia, the Barnes Foundation. It's subsequently moved. It's a very long story. But I, she gave me a, a lesson in sort of how to understand this impressionist and abstract art. And I never understood it before. Um, a few people here, like Bert, ha have talked to me about poetry and I'm sort of applying the same things to try to sort of to have it evoke something in me rather than reading it like prose. Um, I do read a lot of very dry nonfiction in here, uh, a lot of histories and things, uh, biographies. Um, but I, I did read this, this one poem. I enjoyed it because it was about hope and a pho the phobia of hope. Um, and, but I also think it would be cool to listen to it um, as it was meant to be received. Um, so if it's okay, I was going to read it in English and then have you read it in, in Arabic, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Let's see. I suffer a phobia called hope. Each time I hear that word, I recall the disappointments that were committed in its name, the children who don't return, the ailments that are never cured, the memory that's never senile, all of them hope crushed beneath its wings as I smash this mosquito on my daughter's head. The grieving have only the unknown. It's their only staple and inheritance. Pain has no logic. All things redeem the grieving except your rational questions. I wish that no one goes and no one comes. All going is a stroke of myth and each return a punctured lung. مصابة بفوبيا اسمها الأمل كلما سمعت هذه المفردة استرجعت كل الخيبات التي ارتكبت باسمه الأبناء الذين لا يعودون الأوجاع التي لا تشفى الذاكرة التي لا تشيخ كلها سحقها الأمل تحت جناحيه كما أسحق البعوضة فوق رأس ابنتي ليس للفاقد سوى الغيبيات 
إنها طعامه وإرثه الوحيد لا منطق للألم كل الأشياء تشفع للمحزون إلا سؤالكم المنطقي ليت أحدا لا يذهب ليت أحدا لا يعود كل ذهاب ضرب في الخرافة كل عودة ثقب في الرئة That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, this has been uh, just an incredible morning for me. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I hope you uh, you, you enjoy your, your stay in, in the United States. And um, yeah, I hope you have safe travels back. We'll be we'll be getting up every day and, uh, and, and trying to continue as well. Yep. So, <laughs> Maya Abu Al-Hayat, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, we have a saying at, at the end of uh, this show. We always say left is best. But I also would like to say from the river to the sea.